0: Players. Player code established. Welcome, Welcome to the program. A production of TheMetalRobot.com Nobody cares about the robot gimmick! Just start the fucking show already! Ugh. Humans are determined assholes. This is The Metal Robot Podcast. Ow. Initializing post-playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between, already in 2023, and that means it's another year we hope to God doesn't suck. But then again, two months later, and the biggest trending topics are spy balloons, train derailments, and people coming after AI art. Off to a hell of a start. Coming up, Laura Vargas joins us once again to continue talking about the latest Inferno doll single, Renfield. Lots of good stuff we talked about that you don't want to miss out on. In place of our Metal News Recap, we get back to the most striking and most important metal news stories of 2022, some of which I wouldn't be surprised if we see return. And coming up in a few short moments, the top 5 best metal albums of 2022, let's wrap up the list and end the season with a bang. All this and so much more, so let's not waste much more time and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay and this is the 2022 season finale of the Metal Robot Podcast. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. All right, it's the final countdown of the best of 2022. If you missed part one, we counted down numbers 10 through 6 in the last episode. This is episode 40. So if you want to find out what else made the list, go check that out. But for now, let's start counting down the top five. Number five. Dream Widows self-titled. Holy fuck, that's awesome. I mean, we knew the Foo Fighters had a huge appreciation for the metal genre, but we really didn't know how deep it ran until we got this album and how well that not only did they understand the metal genre in terms of the writing, but also in terms of the attitude. This album is just chock full of fantastic metal in very different styles and genres all throughout the entire album. I remember being excited when this thing actually came out and then sad two days later when Taylor Hawkins died. It was a tumultuous weekend for sure. Literally, the same episode featured a glowing review of the album and the breaking news of his death. It's a hell of a transition for sure. And I remember specifically though, there was a couple things I noted in that original review which might make you question why it's in the top five, given what we had before. In the original review I talked about the eclectic spirit of this album being filled with different metal styles and genres as I talked about earlier, but it can also still be jarring the amount of times they change the styles throughout the whole album, including that 10 minute instrumental closer that I still have a hard time really getting into. But I think the reason why this is an album that needs to be in the top 5 for me personally, this was an album that I still kept coming back to more and more and more, way more than the other albums that uh, were in this list, and it's important to note that For this list, I was considering a few important details, the first of which, did I resonate with this album? Did I keep coming back to it? Why did I keep coming back to it? And I think in this case, it is the fact that A, I love the Foo Fighters, I love Dave Grohl, and Taylor Hawkins, of course, hearing his drum work even after his passing on the Foo Fighters and even on this album in such a more bombast and chaotic sort of sound, it is really Strange to hear, but it's so fulfilling to listen to. If you have not checked it out, definitely do so. All in all, definitely deserving of the top five. Number four. Ghost Impura, yes, I'm including Ghost, don't add me. Look, they belong on the number four spot for a very good reason. Because this band, regardless of whether or not metalheads consider them actual metal, guess what? They're metal. They are, in many ways, a great gateway band for non-metalheads to listen to and be able to at least dip their toes in the genre. Everybody already knows this. Most people try to write off the gimmicks, but take the gimmicks away. What Are You Left With? Still a fantastic album. And everybody seems to agree. I can't think of anybody in the music critic community on YouTube and in podcasts that haven't included Ghost on their best of the year list for good reason, because those who didn't put it on theirs are dead now. No, I'm kidding. It's because the full album is just as intriguing as the rest of their catalog, and especially as they're going in this more poppy kind of metal direction that's more accessible for the mainstream uh, culture to get into and be able to expose themselves to this wonderful genre that we all love. Yeah, I think this is a great album. That's a continuation of what the what Tobias and Company were were putting together in prequel, and for the better, it's a great entry metal album for non-metal heads to check out. And especially if you focus on the music rather than the gimmicks. Again, I know the gimmicks can put off a lot of people. You can ignore the gimmicks for outside of the live show. Sit down with the actual album and listen and enjoy, be taken on a journey with these guys. Coming in number three, you saw this one coming. If you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning of 2022, come on. You knew Nocturna's Daughters of the Night had to be on here. That was one of the first albums I reviewed on the podcast. It was one of the first ones I reviewed uh, a solid week after its release, and it still holds up. I gave it such a glowing review when it came out, and it has not at all degraded in the quality. Instrumentally, this is done really well. Production, of course, is helping tremendously as well. It's not breaking any new ground in terms of the instrumentation. And that's something that I know I've been, I've been, I've been a person who is always preferred to hear something new in uh, any sort of uh, department in a metal band, uh, which whether it's be the instrumentation or in the vocal performance or anything really. but instrumentally we don't really get that here and that's totally fine because where the where this band really shines is in its vocal diversity that's for me what does it for me and why this album still ranks so high Because yes, this is a power metal band with symphonic influences and symphonic uh, traits and characteristics. But what really helps is the two female singers in the front, Ren Still Knight and Grace Darkling. Both of them have very different vocal styles, Ren Still Knight's softer operatic approach is duetting with Grace Darkling's power metal style vocals. And the duetting of those two vocal styles is not something I've heard too much of in the power metal or symphonic metal style. Usually it's either operatic or power metal mixed with growls and screams. You get no growls or screams here. It's all power and all symphonic. If you want to get the best of both worlds, this is the album for you. No joke, check it out. Number two. At number 2 Ibaraki's Rashima look I know there are those who just Knew I was going to put this on here and are currently rolling their eyes. Look, I don't care. Ibaraki is a fantastic Matt Heafy project, and I have not been able to put this album down yet. One thing is for sure Matt Heafy knows his shit when it comes to the black metal genre. This is a terrific mix of black metal, heavy metal, metalcore, maybe a bit of hogaku. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It brings it all together. Matt Heafy brings it all together to create this fantastic, eclectic, and unique kind of sounding black metal. This is very much written by an American citizen, but is the appreciation for Japanese culture can be shown throughout the entirety of this album. And you know, funny enough, I remember hearing some people were saying that Ibaraki is like if Trivium went literal with the Shogun album, and I don't get it. For real, I I don't get it. Ibaraki has a Trivium vibe in the same way Alex Hefner has a meditative vibe. Fuck that, it's all chaos and shouting. (laughs) Until, of course, the music starts. The full album is a journey. It's fluid in its transitions between songs and never, ever felt out of place for me while listening to it. Well, okay, maybe the closing track, that's the only one that is more like a Japanese film noir kind of thing, but it still works. This album is a terrific example of what happens when maybe someone who's not known for writing black metal starts writing black metal and you remember oh yeah, they actually like black metal. I don't know if Matt or Isan will make another Ibaraki album after this one. I really hope they do. I love what I've heard from this project and I want to hear more. But if this is the only Ibaraki album we will get, hey... I'm pretty happy with that, especially at number two. But of course, if this is at number two, what other album could have actually been considered for the number one spot? Well, before we get into that, let's finally reveal Metal Robot's Court of Awesome. Metal Robot. In the last episode, I asked you for what album ranked in the top of your favorites. What was your favorite album from this entire year? And whichever response I saw more often would be declared the winner of Metal Robot's Court of Awesome Award. So a few responses did come in. Some were giving responses. I I saw these all over the place. Some responses were uh, for Rammstein's Zeit and Motionless in White's Scoring the End of the World. That one really surprised me. Not because I didn't like the album. I love the album. I still listen to it. But it's best of the year, really. I was kind of surprised by that. Not judging, of course. Again, great album. But best of the year? I don't know about that. But of course, the winner has to be Lorna Shore's Pain Remains. (laughs) I saw this one the most, and it makes sense when you think about it. A new lineup after a previous vocalist controversy, you've really gotta uh, listen to it with an open mind, and when you do, you get earth shattering and stomach truning vocals with some of the heaviest and dirtiest deathcore has seen in a long time. Honestly, I can't disagree with that. So, congrats to Lorna Shore for winning the Metal Robots Court of Awesome Award, first edition. And now that we got that out of the way, again, Ibiraki was great, but what could have possibly been able to top that? Well, number one. Blood of Indigo, Dawn of the Shaded World. you damn right this one topped the fucking list. Not only has this full album been a masterpiece of epic symphonic death metal, it had some of the best symphonic metal production I've heard in a long time. Not even joking about that, that was one of the big caveats that put this one really high up. Plus even the balls to have a 14 minute instrumental orchestral song as the opening track and still somehow make it work. Believe it or not, that was actually a pretty ballsy move that actually paid off. The 14 minute instrumental orchestral song had a lot going for it that built up the album and once you actually got into the metal, it all made sense. It all came together. It's an all-out assault on the ears in the heavy moments. And of course, they couldn't help but flex with the dynamics in a time where most production would level everything out. Again, production was a big thing here. You can have powerful songwriting, which this album does. You can also have immense orchestration, having beyond stellar production in the mixing for a genre that is notorious for giving mixing engineers night terrors. All of that come. Bind is why this is the best album of 2022. If you haven't heard it yet, go check it out. And also, check out the interview I did with the band on the podcast where we talked more about the album and also of the production. This was something that really, again, I cannot stress enough how great the production is for a symphonic metal album. Go check out the interview, episodes 37 and 38. And that's it for the list. Thanks to everyone who submitted for the Metal Robot Court of Awesome and for suggesting some banger albums throughout the last year. Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back with Laura Vargas on the Inferno doll right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. <laughs> you know what albums I should take a rusty pickaxe to? I mean, take a look at next. Bad everywhere. beware. Request them anytime online. And you can hear your favorites hacked to pieces. I mean, disgust. Why do I keep doing that? Disgust right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. The X-Man of New Orleans is back. No, no, wait. I meant in metal with a new song from Dust Prophet. Could you not have led with that? Sure, but then you wouldn't have done the contractually obligated scream that I can now use for exciting purposes. Watch. Dust Prophet have a new song. <laughs> Here's another one. The tent broke off, so they're giving away free beer to everyone. Yes! <laughs> I hate you. When the axe falls, new fuzzed out jam from the New Hampshire Fuzz Rockers Dust Prophet. Available on Bandcamp. Linked down in the podcast description. Ever wanted to take Metal Robot interviews on the go, but had this happen? Dead? I charged this last night. For fuck's sake! <laughs> Well we can't solve a bad phone battery. You can take the interviews you love with you wherever on MRP Throwbacks. Be sure to hit save for when you want this on your evening drive to the venue. I'm just a troll. Like I
1: just I just don't give a crap. Can I say that?
0: (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I've been saying fuck this entire time, so Uh by all means. MRP Throwbacks. Only on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. It's the Metal Robot Podcast. I'm your host, Tom McKay. The Inferno doll is on hiatus, it seems. Oops. Uh, That (laughs) Okay, so we're still going to be airing part two of our interview on this show. We have part two right here. But it seems that a lot has changed since part one came out, Uh, about a couple months now at the time of recording this. uh, It looks like the Inferno doll project is going on hiatus. Uh, Laura Vargas is still working in music, as far as I know, as as far as I know, according to her statement that she posted on her Instagram back on the 7th of this month. Wow, this is an entire month ago. Um, She is working in a completely different direction in terms of her creativity. Quote, going on to say, quote, so I will put the Inferno no doll in her coffin and let her take a deep one year slumber so when it's time to wake her up, she'll be ready to take over the world. So basically, long story short, this interview is aged like milk. Uh, that's not the takeaway from this, but I think that's one that I, I think is important to note. Uh, but still, like the interview, it, it's it focused on the Inferno doll project, but it's still important that we finish up with this interview talking about that latest single, Renfield, because that is still up. Uh, a lot of purchases on for physical copies of stuff, it's not happening anymore as far as I know, except for a physical CD of her EP, Sacrifice. But- the singles are still up, and you can still find them, including Renfield. It came out months ago, of course, because it's not a Metal Robot production if we're not months behind on everything, but since that single came out, the reception for it has been extremely positive, and even I've doubted that the song is a great song, a solid blend of heavy thrash and gothic rock. There's not a lot like it, even though it does have familiar territory in it. We're going to dive back into the song today, with Laura Vargas, Chilean-Canadian solo artist behind the Inferno doll project and get a look at the music video that came out with it and learn more about the production as well. So here we go, the final interview for the 2022 season in 2023. This is the Inferno doll part two on the Metal Robot Podcast. Have fans already been hearing bits and pieces? Have they yes. been reacting kindly to it?
1: Yes, yeah, very. Uh, they've been reacting very well. Every time The community I have, they react to my new songs or whatever crazy things I bring on the table. They feel here like uh, the essence of the Inferno Doll. And they love when I add this crazy twist here and there. It's like, sounds like fire. Uh, It's great. The imagery is great. And I really enjoy telling them the backstory of the song. And on the emails, for example, when I email them, I'm like, okay, I need to tell them. It's like it's like talking to a friend. I need to tell them who's Renfield because most probably not everyone knows who is Renfield. When they read that and they see the video or the bits that I've been showing to them, it's like everything makes sense. So it's so much different at all. And they react very well to the flute. So I go back to Emma and like, look. They like your flute. (laughs) Everything is great.
0: (laughs) Of course, given what the song is about, it's about Renfield, it's about the character. Uh, And you talk about in the promotional material that I received for the single, you were talking about how this character is one of your favorites from the story. Yes. Uh, And everything, and you also talk about everything that the slave of Dracula went through. Yes. Do you feel like you have maybe a personal connection to this character? Or do you feel that you relate to him on like a spiritual level or a personality kind of level?
1: I think it's more on that side, more than like I am like like him. As I said in in other interviews or when I talk to people about this topic, it's like every time in this process of writing these new songs and the new album and, and everything, Every time I focus in one song and I have something Dracula related in my hand, something is happening in my life that has some kind of similitude with the book. And I'm like, does that worry the Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Anyways, so um, I took the inspiration of him like being controlled Uh, by this entity and then he detaching himself from that mind control and realizing that he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing and that he's being used but at the same time he's tempted with the idea of of eternal life so he wants that but he never gets it (laughs) i was like He had so much to do with Dracula coming into the asylum and getting Mina and trying to transform Mina into a vampire and dragging all all the characters in, in his search and try to kill him. So he plays a very important role, but is not very much told on why he's in an asylum, why he got there, why he's mad... And, and all that. So it's like the way he was and all that probably being not able to have his own freedom. That is what inspired me to put him in this song. It's like my rendition. To well, that's really
0: good though. Uh, especially like learning more about, I tried to learn as much as I could about this character. Cause even like before this single came out and before it came in my emails, even I didn't really know who Renfield was. I've heard of, like, various characters, but I'm not much of a Dracula fanatic. I don't know much about the stories. All I know is Dracula has appeared everywhere in pop culture, and that's all I really yes. know. Um, but learning about this story, I think, is definitely, uh, whether it is through the various uh, books that came out and through the various mm-hmm. forms of literature, and even in this case, in music. I think, I think that's something that I feel keeps these characters alive in many ways. Is that something that you were thinking about when you were writing about Renfield?
1: When I finally decided to maintain the name Renfield and everything, all of those were connected, yes. <laughs> I want people to know about him. I want people, I want to do my best and tell everyone who's listening to the new songs that are mostly inspired by Dracula, who's Dracula or Bram Stoker. Or even tell them, like, hey, do you know that Stoker claimed that most of um, Dracula parts were real, real events? And it's like, I, at some point, I'm, I'm like, okay, I have the um, obligation or the duty to spread the word of Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a fan of Dracula since I was a very, very, very young vampire. Mm. Well, I'm not really a vampire, but you get it. (laughs) Yes, I just want to tell and explain everyone the best way I can about and uh, who's Dracula and the characters and why I take some of some of the situations from the novel to put to transform them in songs and how those songs are connected to my real life. So, is I'm kind of doing a kind of stalker kind of way of writing the album events or not <laughs>
0: Ooh, that is the question. yeah so uh, so I know like with the song, of course, you know it's metal as fuck It's also got, of course, the uh, glissando flute. Uh, I know from experience myself and speaking with other with other producers and mixing engineers, uh, mixing symphonic or orchestral instruments with metal is extremely challenging. Did you find that there was maybe like some worry about that with this song, including the Glissando flute, amongst these heavy, crunchy metal tones?
1: I wouldn't say worried. I trusted the people, uh trust the people that is mixing and mastering my music. And the best part is that they do listen to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they do listen to me. And and I'm also open to Like they have a post something like, what if we change these on the mixing? And I'm like, probably, but I'd rather not to change that. After a few mixes, I have to say that it was the sound that I was looking for. And I was very happy. I am very happy with it. And I trust Gabriel. I trust um, Christian Mardones. He's the one who masters my music. He's also in Chile. Mm. <laughs> All my is in Chile and I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Communication between them is really good as well. So any changes, anything, we are always talking and sending like reviews to see if the song sounds okay. And I also share the uh, initial mixes to, with um, the other artists involved in the song. Because, you know, I, I, I cannot just not do that. Yeah. <laughs> so far, everything is not very good. So no complaints.
0: And there's also a music video for the single as well. What was the filming process like on the day of the shoot?
1: So I traveled to Regina in Saskatchewan uh emma is from there and eric shot my music video He's also from there so eric took me to this theater in indian head we already talked beforehand we had the script and everything so we already knew what we were going to do funny thing is that that theater was haunted and i did not know so during the shooting of the video um the basement like where i'm on chains and everything there's a preview can watch it if you haven't you will see the chains oh my god the the energy from that place and everything around it was so weird oh. Ominous. I was like if I see a ghost in the video that would be great yeah <laughs> but for, for example with um, when I was waiting for Emma to finish her parts I was just walking around the basement and see like which other spots could work for these storyline that we had in mind and I was standing there in a very dark room and suddenly someone like whispering in my ear and I'm like fuck and then I just like okay I'm gonna go see the others and ask them hey guys do you know what this happened and Emma was like um was it a woman yes I, I heard them too <laughs> it was interesting they the filming of the video because of the uh, place we were in um and all the uh, ghost stories behind and it was fairly quick I was very into the character. I was already mad. So when we started, like, let's do a test shoot and see how it goes. I was like, okay, play. And I was like, "Ah, I'm Renfield. (laughs) the madness of Renfield was inside me and Eric was like, okay, that's good. Let's move on to the next scene. (laughs) (laughs) It was very easy, super fun to work with Eric, uh, with Christine and uh, Emma, everyone. The theater was amazing location also for my ghost walls video and another one that we showed that day. So a lot of things are coming, um, great location, a lot of ghosts, a
0: lot of ghosts, <laughs> a lot of ghosts. I, I, have you seen the final cut yet for the music video? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, did you see any ghosts in the, the shot? Oh, uh, no. Ah, no. damn.
1: <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Not even in Ghost Waltz, I was like.
0: Mm. Can you imagine if the if like ghosts actually showed up like unintentionally in the <laughs> Ghost Waltz music video? Oh, oh my! That would have been boy. so poetic.
1: Been amazing.
0: <laughs> so good. Now we we got a couple minutes here, but I wanna I wanna get this last question in. It is the most important one. I always ask: If you could be any cereal box character, who would you be?
1: Any what? Sorry.
0: Cereal box character. You know, like the characters that you see on like the cereal boxes, like the for breakfast.
1: Oh. Oh. Count chocolate?
0: (laughs) Uh, Count (laughs) chocolate. How did I know that was going to be your answer?
1: (laughs) Dun, dun, surprise! (laughs)
0: so thank you so much once again for coming on the show renfield is the new single from the inferno doll check it out it's on it's everywhere you can find music streaming services i believe it also is going to be on Bandcamp. so all links to that will be down in the podcast description or you can check it out for yourself uh once you're done with this episode uh so before we head out is there anything you want to shout out to to the beautiful listeners to the beautiful uh people For the Metal Robot podcast.
1: So, first of all, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and super fun chatting with you. And to everyone that's watching this, uh, thank you for your amazing support. I hope you enjoy Renfield and all the Dracula things that I'm going to be sharing with you all and can't wait to show more music and more adventures.
0: We can't wait for it as well. Thank you so much once again for coming on the show. I appreciate your time.
1: You're welcome.
0: <laughs> Thanks again to Laura Vargas for coming on the show. It was a fun time and a great way to end the interviews for this season. There will be much more coming up in the next season, which should be starting up next month. So stay tuned for that. Renfield is out now. Go check it out and keep your ear to the ground for anything Laura Vargas is doing. We may not get an no doll album this year, but you can be guaranteed we'll get something from Laura Vargas probably very soon. Stick around; we're going to get into the biggest news stories of 2022 right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. Let open the gates for Aceroff has risen,
1: and the demon.
0: Gone core. Wait, the story is the demon has gone core? I don't get it. Just wait for the drop. What the fuck? From the ashes of a thunder, Astaroth is born again. Enter the world of Sam Astaroth with his new song, Demon Core. Available on all streaming. Music video available on YouTube. Links in the podcast description. 15 plus artists. Multiple cultures. Multiple languages. One- mother, what the fuck does it say? It's pronounced Homioios. How? There's twenty O's. It's Latin. What'd you expect? The ultimate collaboration project of 2022. homi Homioios, a symphonic, death, blackened, thrashing, grooving, core fest. What genres? This week's metal news recap was written by the leper on Death's album cover. My body's literally falling to pieces. And somehow, all of this is the worst part of my week. Have any stories you want covered on the podcast? Send them our way with the hashtag MRP News. Now, back into the podcast. Presented by TheMetalRobot.com. This is MRP News. Okay, five more stories from the past year that stuck out the most or is worth remembering for a variety of reasons, such as if it comes back, something we can keep in mind for the future, or even in the case of this first one, just to keep the memories. Yeah, I'd be remiss to leave out the many deaths we saw in 2022. We saw so many classic rock stars and also plenty of surprises that we were not expecting just die. Mark Lanigan of Queens of the Stone Age, that was a surprise. Taylor Hawkins, of course, as mentioned in the reviews for Dream Widow, uh, that was a really big shock. Again, just as the Dream Widow album came out, Trevor Sternad, holy shit, the news cycle in the metal world, like, it was completely out of nowhere. Trevor Sternad, another legend, Black Dahlia Murder specifically, uh, completely out of nowhere. But one thing I know a lot of people will definitely remember in metal, but also in the mainstream, Meatloaf at 74 years old. That was a pretty surprising one. Mostly, I a lot of these were surprising, and I keep going back to that. It was all surprising. I think we're at the point now where every major death is surprising, regardless of the age. Think about it. Remember when Betty White died? At 99, the internet freaked the fuck I don't know why the older deaths are more shocking. I, I, it really doesn't make much sense to me. Usually, if a rock star gets to that point, if they get to 70 years old, you start measuring them to get the coffin right. But that's not happening here. But really, this is something that I think is more important. It's the younger they are that is more shocking. Taylor Hawkins died at 40. Sternad at 46. Uh, another one, Stuart Ansis, formerly of Criddle Filth, died at 48. Now, I know some of you who might be in your 20s are thinking, that's not young. And to that I say, I know, but it's still too young to die. I think that's more important than whether or not you consider 40 a senior citizen. It's still shocking. And... Of course, more importantly, it's still sad. Death leaves the living behind to mourn the lost. No matter what news came out from this year, it's important to remember that death is still around us, and we must always keep many of these rock stars in our minds, in our hearts, because regardless of the age, they are still worth remembering. If I missed anybody, please let me know who we missed so that we can remember them as well as Collective Metal listeners
1: you want to have an interview, you find the topic interesting, you think your viewers would appreciate more on the topic, Mm. perfectly understandable. Then do the interview, and on that interview, say that I saw your interview with such and such person. He asked you these questions. I would like to dive a little bit deeper on those topics so that we can get to the bottom of of why you feel that way.
0: (laughs) The A&P Reacts versus Metal Media story. So this one was, uh, this came in, towards the end of the year and was important to cover. If you didn't hear the original coverage that we did, I just uploaded the video version on the podcast YouTube channel for you to check out. And if you don't have time to check that out, too bad. One thing I (laughs) I think is important for us to mention, we didn't get a chance to really talk about this, I don't think, in the original coverage. It's how this imbalance between major metal media and their YouTube and podcast colleagues is the musicians in the middle. They're the ones who are getting affected by this too. Think about the situation as a whole. Angel Ripper was asked about a possible big four of German thrash metal, uh, metal show by ANP p Reacts on his YouTube channel. Questions that was not being asked by anybody else. That is the core of this entire controversy. Uh, Blabbermouth shared that out. People knew about it. Uh, so people know about a Reacts was the ones who asked it. Then Labram Health asked the same question again, as if as if it's a question they don't know the answer to. It's weird, but in this entire thing, poor Angel Ripper had to have been so confused in that second interview. He's sitting there going, "Was the past three weeks some Mandela Effect Twilight Zone bullshit? What the fuck happened?" I know for a fact if I was doing a press tour for a new album or new single or what have you. I go on a podcast. They ask me a question I was not expecting because I hadn't heard before and I didn't really consider it. And I'm sitting there going, oh, that's a great question. Well, here is my answer to it. Then say metal sucks shares that out. And they're like, Tom McKay said this about this. And then two weeks later on my press tour, go to metal sucks. Then they ask me the same question as if they didn't already know the answer to it. I'm like, did you forget to read your own fucking website? We kind of figured as content creators that the metal media or like the media organizations, the companies They don't really give a shit too much about us content creators. I fully understand that. That is something that even mainstream YouTube is dealing with, with mainstream media. But for fuck's sakes, think about the musicians for a second who have to put up with this crap and are getting caught in the middle, sitting there going, guys, I just wanted to talk about the music. I apologize for my initial response in 2019 and my silence that followed. It's too much for me to handle at the time. So now I want to clarify to all of our fans what's actually going on in that dark, horrible video swirling around the Internet. OK, Vector, this was. Huh. I will admit when I covered this the the two times on the podcast on uh, I can't remember which episodes I actually covered it on. Which episodes were that again? It was thirty five, thirty six. I remember being way harsher in my original coverage of the story than I think I needed to be. Like, comments like this. I could have stopped at him doing an NFL spiral of a human being across a room and you'd still think he should be buried under the prison. Or this. David is a problem. A tumor that the band needs removed as soon as possible if they want to stand a chance of making it. And especially this one. (laughs) If I was a label head, even I wouldn't want to be associated with a wife beater. Yeah, that is a bit more harsh than I think that I needed to be in the situation. But even then, I still stand by my comments and still stand by my point. Look, at the end of the day, regardless of the innocence and or whether he's changed, David DeSantis is still going to be the guy who hit his wife and punched holes in his door because of dog poop. Ask any band who has a wildcard member and they'll tell you that a bad association like that is really hard to shake after the fact and can actually affect the opportunities that are presented to you. Just ask Napster Talica, or Guns and Riots, or even as I hire a hitman to kill my wife. Just a few examples of what bad association can look like. Look, the apology has been made by David DeSantis, and we know the original story. Will this all be the end of Vector? Probably not. Will this affect their ability to continue? Probably not. But will it affect how the world perceives them, how the metal world perceives them, how their sales will look, and how many opportunities they are given? As we saw with Century Media, yeah, probably. Again, I don't know if this will end the band. Only time will tell with that one. But this is definitely something that, unless that situation with David DeSantis is addressed properly by the band— In terms of PR, I'm looking at this going, you guys are going to have a very rough time until you deal with that properly. At number two here, this is the number two of this, I guess, top 10. I'm not really doing this in any particular order, I'll be honest, but if we were, yeah, Metallica would be in the top two because Metallica had a hell of a year. (laughs) Aside from promoting their upcoming new album that's getting mixed reactions before its release, Master of Puppets was featured on Stranger Things Season 4, it got big, topped the charts for the first time in its existence, Metallica then sees more fans coming in from TikTok who are supportive of Stranger Things, and of course now Metallica, Metallica gatekeepers freak the fuck out, Metallica themselves chime in, telling said gatekeepers to eat shit, all's good for a bit, and then TikTok tried to cancel them outright. (laughs) 2022 was a fucking journey for this band. I don't know if with all of that being just in like the span of a couple of months, really, when you think about it, I don't know whether to be sympathetic or impressed by how this year went for them. My God. The Satanic Panic was largely justified, and there actually was widespread abuse in the 80s, BTW. Extra, extra, read all about it. We have a dick with a hot take on the internet. Read all about it. Yeah, last but not least, speaking of Stranger Things, the Satanic Panic. You know, it's funny. Like, this is number one for me because this was such an important story when we were doing it. I mean, I did a, ten, a full 10-minute piece about Satanic Panic in our new segment, plus the next episode, a 30-minute interview with a major Canadian music historian and broadcaster, Alan Cross. This seemed like a big story at the time. Months later, though, this is something that I was kind of surprised by when I started looking back on this story. This seems to be something that has more or less died down, which is interesting to me because Alan Cross, again, in the interview, seemed to think that we could see the Satanic Panic return and bigger than before. I think it is a real possibility, I think we're starting to see it grow, and again that's because the United States is fracturing into this partisan, polarized, uh,
1: weird sort of situation where we have a lot of us against them.
0: It's possible that this is a calm before the storm kind of thing, but the truth is, Outside of metal, we are actually seeing signs that the satanic panic is already in full swing. Something that was covered actually back in August from LSE, relating back to the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s. The same fears from that time period, quote, appear to be a motivating factor behind Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's don't say gay bill, Republicans' attack on Supreme Court Justice Kintaji Brown-Jackson during her confirmation hearings in March, and recent calls to boycott Disney. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We may not be seeing this coming to fruition in the form of attacks against metal like we had seen back in the 80s and 90s, but this is definitely something that is in full swing. Now, to be clear, this is not a purely Republican issue. These are, conservative values that just so happen to be within conservative politics because, believe it or not, most Republicans are not this fucking stupid. (laughs) This is not about the politics, this is about the people with conservative values that are super terrified of anything that threatens their their values. And while we don't seem to be seeing a lot of this directed towards rock and metal right now, organizations like QAnon have shown they still don't like us. Don't worry, QAnon, the feeling's mutual. It's okay, we're in this together. But here's an important thing, just because we don't see it right now, this is why I believe this might actually be the calm before the storm. Alan Cross's points about social media and misinformation, along with the obvious partisan gap widening in the United States, we could start to see something like this get worse as time goes on. Will that actually happen? I don't know. I don't know if this will be worse than what happened in the 90s and 80s, or It'll be a lot easier to navigate because we've already been through this. We know we don't want to repeat history. It's hard to really tell. We'll have to wait and see what 2023 brings us when it comes to this topic. And with that, that is 10 of 5 in this episode, but 10 altogether of the most important and possibly uh, the most crazy stories from this entire year it's been a hell of a year for news in metal and around the world and we're already seeing that there's gonna be a lot more coming in 2023 so guaranteed this new segment is not going anywhere it's going to get a lot more interesting in the next season but before we get to that let's wrap this episode up this is the metal robot podcast you just listened to mrp the metal robot podcast The Rain of Fire comes down on us one last time for this season. It's been a fun year for sure. And we'll be back in a few weeks with the next season kicking off with Legendarium, a DIY power metal project that's gotten heavier, plus some more music to cover in the year 2023. All this and more next time. And once again, thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook, and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The dot Metal Robot. You can also check out everything Metal Robot on The Metal Robot com for videos, podcasts, press, and so much more. Special thanks to Laura Vargas for coming on the show, a hell of a way to bring an end to this season, and of course, to you, the Metal Robot listener, for sticking with us this year. I couldn't do this without you and your passion for the music. I'm Tom McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and I'll see you in the Mosh Pit next time. Have a good night.